Hey, Peter here. We've decided to post our joint sermon series for Advent. This is the first of the three. This one features Pastor Berg on Psalm 75. By the way, we're getting close to Christmas. Remember, I'm trying to put together a surprise for the guys for Christmas. So if you can help me out with that, email me at christmas at clericalheirs.org. All right, here's Pastor Berg. In the name of Jesus, amen. Advent means coming. Advent is about the three comings of Christ. The first Advent we think of is when our Lord Jesus became flesh through the Virgin Mary during the census of Caesar Augustus. The second Advent, which we think of, is how our Lord comes to us here in church. He comes to us under the preached word, under water, and under bread and wine. This coming happens every time we meet together in Jesus' name here at church. Jesus is our righteous king who has pity on us, forgives us our sins, and guides us to streams of living water. But tonight we hear about our Lord's second and final coming. Jesus' second coming will be judgment day. We confess that Christ will come again to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And Psalm 75 is a wonderful song describing our Lord's coming in judgment. The psalm begins within the walls of the church. It begins, We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks, for your name is near. We recount your wondrous deeds. That's what we do in church. We recount the wondrous deeds of our Savior, who loved us and gave himself up for us. And this recounting bring God, brings God's name near to us. Indeed, in the Aaronic benediction, the pastor actually puts God's name on you when he says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God's name is put on you in holy baptism too, through the water and through the word. And when God puts his name on you, you are his. And when you are his, you are free. When you are his, you are a king. When you are his, everything is yours. And so we humbly give thanks to our triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, for all of his benefits, both spiritual and temporal, both large and small. But what about outside these walls? Outside these walls, the world is a hard place. Human malice is seemingly allowed to rebel against the Lord without any consequences. We see people act as if God didn't exist, as if there will not one day be a final judgment where they will have to stand before his throne. And we hear them say, just like the people in Zephaniah's day said, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. We know many people like this. Even people who call themselves Christians act this way. Read the newspaper obituaries. They all read as if everyone is going to heaven. And these things weigh heavily upon us. And sometimes we get impatient with God. We get angry with him that he has not yet stopped the blasphemers and the wicked. 
How can God let this continue? And so, anticipating this, the Lord steps in in the psalm and speaks directly to us. At the set time I will appoint, at the set time that I appoint, I will judge with equity. When the earth totters and all its inhabitants, it is I who keep steady the pillars. The true God is the Lord, the God of Israel. In the beginning, he established this world. He hung the stars. He put a limit to the seas. And even now, as the world convulses, even as it totters like a top, this world has not escaped from our God's hands. And because he is the creator, our God is also the judge. Who alone, he who alone created everything also has the right to judge everything by himself. And he is not slow in bringing judgment, as some count slowness. No, our God has a reason for his set time, which is not even known to the angels in heaven, but only to him. And his reason is a gracious one. He desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so it is out of love that our God warns the arrogant and the boastful. The psalm continues, saying, I say to the boastful, do not boast, and to the wicked, do not lift up your horn, do not lift up your horn on high, or speak with haughty neck. God humbles the proud because pride is a sin. Pride is the opposite of true faith. Pride is a false faith. It is a false trust in ourselves, in our abilities, in our skills, and in our wealth. And pride stands between us and Jesus. Pride is the sin of the devil. He thought he could be God. And that's why pride is so dangerous. And that is why our God warns us against pride. Because pride kills faith and damns the soul. The psalm continues. For not from the east or from the west and not from the wilderness comes lifting up. But it is God who executes judgment, putting down one and lifting up another. If our Savior Jesus is the one who judges us, then it is pointless for us to look for a silver lining. We shouldn't look for earthly politicians to ride in like King Arthur and his knights of the round table. We shouldn't look for the perfect plan to get ahead in life. But that means we also shouldn't be distraught by our supposed failures either. No, if we truly believe that our Lord Jesus is the judge, then we can confidently and with assurance leave all things in God's hands. See, in our society, we are so afraid to fail, and we are so afraid to let our kids fail. But failure is not always a bad thing. Sometimes, God follows a different course than our own rash way of thinking. We don't see the whole picture. Perhaps the failures which we experience in this life were a test, a test of patience. Perhaps these failures were actually God's way of saving us. Maybe these failures might actually be God's deliverance, saving us from something that might corrupt our hearts, our minds, and our souls. 
The point is, is that God's judgment is beyond the scope of our short-term calculations, our human ideas of tit for tat. No one is able to check precisely why God exalts one man and brings another low. But what we do know is this. We know that Jesus will not give us what we deserve. He judges out of love. He lifts some men up so that they might serve him better through their neighbors. And he, might, and he puts some men down so that they might know their frailty and be saved forever. And we know this because we know his heart. This judge became a man like us so that we might become like him. This judge was condemned in our place so that we might be declared innocent. And even though we might not be able to discern why our Lord judges the way that he does in this life, we know that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and that his ways are better than our ways. The psalm continues. For the hand of the Lord, for in the hand of the Lord there is a cup with foaming wine, well mixed, and he pours out from it, and all the wicked of the earth shall drain it down to the dregs. The cup is an Old Testament image, which is used in other places to illustrate God's judgment. For the ungodly, this spicy drink of life administered by God must be dra- drained down to the dregs. And this cup is not fun for them, but it is a deadly drink. Their sins make this cup into a cup of wrath, a cup of divine poison. But it is not so for you, dear Christians. For you, this cup is a drink that imparts life and salvation. And that's because your judge, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, drank the cup of wrath in your place. And he finished that cup. Even the yeasty sludge at the bottom of the cup has been consumed. And that's why there's no more wrath for you. Your judgment shall be sweet and glorious and lovely, because you will be judged innocent, holy and righteous, because of what Jesus did. And you partake of that cup of salvation now, when you drink the choicest wine of heaven, our Lord's own blood. Therefore, dear Christians, do not become impatient with God's judgment, but know that God will surely bring the proud to nothing and that the community of the righteous shall be saved by Jesus' blood and by Jesus' judgment. And so, knowing all this, our hearts freely say with the psalm, But I declare it forever. I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. All the horns of the wicked I will cut off but the horns of the righteous shall be lifted up. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.